0: If you'd now turn with me into our scripture reading, we'll be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. That is Romans, chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. I'll be reading from the New International Version this morning. As it reads at verse 1 We who are strong ought to bear with with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that we, with one mind and one voice, may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning.
1: Have you ever been in a situation where you're having coffee with somebody in a group of people and somebody says something and it's exactly what you were thinking? What, What do you do? What do you say? We often say, hey, great minds think alike, right? It's a way to congratulate another person for thinking like you. But the phrase, great minds think alike, is not the full phrase. There's more to it. The other part is something we don't often know, or if we do, we don't say. Great minds think alike. What's the second part? That's right. Great minds think alike, and fools seldom differ. We like the first part. The second part, we kind of ignore You see, just because people have the same mind, just because they think the same, doesn't mean it's right or it's great. Over 3,000 years ago, God called Moses aside, and he gave him a command. He said, I want to send some men, 12 men, into the land of Canaan, because God was going to give them the land. So Moses chose 12 leaders, one for each of the tribes, and sent them off to explore the land. They examined everything closely. Looked at the people. Looked at the the soil. Looked at the produce. They examined the cities. Were they walled? Other armies? How was life going on there? They even brought back some of the produce. After 40 days, they came back to Moses with a report, and to the people as well. Ten of the leaders recommended that Israel not take possession of the land because. The inhabitants were stronger, more powerful. In their opinion, there is no way that Israel could defeat such an enemy. They're giants. There's no point. You know the story. Two other leaders, Caleb and Joshua, they disagreed and urged the people to go forward. We need to go forward. Now these ten leaders, they persuaded the people. And together they are of the same mind, on the same wavelength. They were thinking in the same way. And as we know, great minds think alike, don't they? Kenneth and Joshua, along with Moses and Aaron, were also of the same mind, but a different mind. So who was right? The 10 leaders and all the people who reasoned that attacking the land would be a foolish and fruitless venture? Or the other two leaders who said Israel should go forward? You know, if you were there, if you're in the crowd, you've, you've left Egypt, you've crossed the, the, the Red Sea, you've seen God's miracles, Amen. now you're on the edge of the promised land, how would you choose? What would you have said? If there was a vote, who would have won? You know, being of the same mind is not about us deciding to agree what we think is right. That's not what the scripture is talking about, but being in the same mind. Just because people get together and say, okay, let's agree, we're going to do this. doesn't mean you have the same mind, according to the text we read this morning. Being in the same mind is about us agreeing together with what God thinks. What does he think? We get on his side. You know, at the very beginning of Numbers 13, when God gave Moses this command... The Lord said to Moses, send some men for the land of Canaan, which I am going to give the Israelites. That was God's intention. I am going to give the land. Go look at it and figure out how you're going to, how you're going to do that. But I'm giving it to you. That is my mind. That is my will. But the purpose that he had was thwarted by ten men and the leaders, uh, the ten leaders in the, the tribe of Israel who were afraid you know, it may, have meant, it may have been perfect logical sense of why not to enter the Canaan because the enemy was greater. But only two people aligned their thinking to what God had already said was going to happen. Caleb and Joshua had the same mind as God, as did Moses and Aaron. And we know from Scripture what were the consequences of not being of the same mind with God. What happened to the people? they wandered for 40 years in the desert. It took a whole new generation to be risen up who would obey God and go into the land. Not being of the same mind of God has consequences. Being of the same mind with one another or united in our spirit together, as NIV says, is one of God's desires for us, one of his expectations for us as a family. Our unity and oneness demonstrates God's presence and his will because only God can do this. And this results in him being glorified and honored. Paul tells us in Philippians 2.2 what being of the same mind means. He says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. That's how being of the same mind is defined, preserving the same love. What love? What is the love that we all share? Is for Jesus. We preserve that love. We maintain that love. And for each other through Christ. It means being united in spirit. We're joined together in the bond that God has made between us. And it's being intent and focused on one purpose, on a purpose. Purpose unifies us. Now, of course, we're all different. Different ages, experiences, challenges, different desires and needs. In short, we're not identical. We're not the same. But we don't have to be the same in order to have unity. What Paul urges us in Romans 15, and it's the verses 5 and 6 I'm going to focus on, is not about being the same, but us to have the same purpose. To be in agreement with one another in Christ. To be unified in our faith and our worship. And to see the purposes of God fulfilled in us as a church. You know, the illustration I think of is this, a tug-of-war. Two teams pulling on the same rope. The objective is to pull the other side towards you. But how do you do that? You have to work together. You have to dig your feet in, and you have to pull. And you hope your side has bigger and stronger people, or at least is more coordinated. Anybody who doesn't pull their weight, you lose. Unity is not about being the same. As Evans puts it, unity is not uniformity, unity is oneness and purpose. So then, we pursue the things which make peace and the building up of one another, Romans 14:19. This is why, in part, we're having this whole series on building each other up, the one another series. You know, we're members of the same body. That was the first message that was preached. God puts us together, fits us together as a body, We love one another. That was the second message. Because we choose to love one another. Not because I have love for you, necessarily, but you choose to do that as an act of the will that God gives us that ability. And out of that love for another, we have the desire to honor each other with humility and deference. And this honor we have extends into how we think, how we behave towards each other. Love, honor, and unity are the outward demonstrations of what God is doing inside of you. If you want an evidence that you belong to Him, that's what you see. That's a way to measure your walk with the Lord. Because the failure to build each other up, the failure to have unity in our midst, to be of the same mind, can lead to disunity. It can lead to us stepping outside of God's purposes just as the people of Israel did so long ago. And they faced the consequences. An entire generation of people were not allowed to find hope and rest in the Promised Land, all because they refused to follow the mind of God and because they were afraid. You know, when I was in university, it seems longer and longer now, uh, there was a, a staff member with a campus ministry, and he'd been invited to debate a well known atheist philosophy professor on the campus. And my friend was nervous and he was, felt quite ill prepared to take on somebody who'd spent a life studying philosophy. But he told me this. He said he was at home and he was wondering, oh, God, what am I doing this for? Uh, this is it's crazy. And the Lord told him something that I never forgot, as he shared with me. He said, Fear is never an excuse not to obey. Fear is not an excuse to refuse God, even if we cannot see how he'll bring about his plans. Israel was afraid, but God knew what he was doing. He asked us to trust him. So in our text for today, now may the God who gives us perseverance and encouragement grant you to be the same mind with one another, according to Jesus Christ, so that With one accord, you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We already know what being of the same mind means. It means preserving our love for the Lord. It means being unified in the Spirit. It means living out the same purpose. But how can we be this? Not do it. How can we be this? Well, Paul tells us here how we can be of the same mind with one another. And it all begins where it always does, with God. Our unity begins with God. In verse 5, if your Bible's open, we see that God not only gives perseverance and encouragement to the scriptures for our hope, but he also grants us to be of the same mind. This is a gift from God. This is what he gives us. He gives us the desire, the ability, the capacity to be unified. God gives us unity. He grants us to be of the same mind. And it all revolves around the fact that God is one. That is his very nature. Our unity, our sameness of mind and purpose, is a reflection of who he is. If we belong to God, who is one, what does he expect of us? He expects of us to be one as well. Our God is unified in essence, but distinct in personality. Now this morning we sang together, and I really appreciated the singing. And I always like when people sing loud because then nobody hears how bad I'm a singer I am. <laughs> if you're by yourself singing, it's pretty obvious if you're good or bad. If you're with a group, it's a oneness that comes through, not you. You can't even hear yourself sing because you hear everybody else singing. Even though we're all different, different abilities, When we worship God together through music and song, we are one. And it's a demonstration of God's oneness in our midst. It's also seen in the unity of Christ. You know, if you want to turn to John 17, this is a prayer of Jesus for our unity because it comes from God. And Jesus knows this. And he, when he was on earth, he prayed for this. In John seventeen eleven, at the very end, he says to the Father that they may be one even as we are. That they may be, the disciples may be one as we are, as Jesus and the Father are one. Then Jesus expands this in verses twenty to twenty three. He says, and this is his prayer before the crucifixion, this is his prayer for us, for each of us. I did not ask in behalf of those of these alone, his disciples, but for those who will believe in me through their word. You know, each one of us is here because somebody has given us the gospel. You know, we can trace, if we could trace it, we could trace it right back to the disciples. As they were faithful in their witness to those who were faithful in their witness through the centuries, you're a product of this prayer. What does Jesus pray? That they may be one, that they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may also be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you has given me I have given to them that we may be one just as we are one. I in them and you and me that they may be glor- perfected in unity. That we be perfected in unity, complete in unity. It's a process that the world may know that you did send me and did love me even as you did love me. Those are verses 20 to 23. Because the nature of God is one, Jesus calls us to be one. And it's his prayer. Do you think the Father answered the prayer of Jesus? You can nod your head, wave your hand, wake up. Okay, great, you're with me. So Jesus' prayer was answered because being of the same mind is something God wants to give us. He wants us to be unified. He wants us to think and have the same purpose and be unified in him because it reflects who he is. It brings him glory and joy and honor to see his people walking as one. But how does God give us this? I mean, it's a good thing to know this. We know this. But how does God do this? Well, it's centered in Jesus. It comes from God the Father, and it's centered in Jesus. He is the focus. He is the very oneness that we celebrate. Because the text goes on, and it says, so that with one accord you may be with one voice glorifying the God, that be of the same mind with one another according to Jesus Christ, See, the verse doesn't stop there. It doesn't say, be of the same mind with one another, period. It says, be of the same mind with one another according to Jesus Christ. How we think, how we live our lives, how we are committed to each other, it's in alignment, it's in agreement with Jesus, with what he thinks. Being of the same mind with what God thinks, with what Jesus thinks. And this is done through the Holy Spirit who fills our minds and our lives with his purpose, with his thought, with his ideas. You know, in 2 Corinthians, um, Paul writes, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? Only you know what you think. Only I know what I think, right? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Makes sense. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is of God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. For who has understood the mind of the Lord, so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. God has given us his mind through his spirit filling our hearts. He's the one who generates the desire and the ability to be of the same mind. It's a result of the Holy Spirit being free to rule in your lives. It's allowing the Holy Spirit freedom to act out in you to bring unity amongst other fruits. So our minds and our hearts become full of God's thoughts and desires. And it is through his spirit that he draws us together as one. But there's more to that. Our unity, our sameness of mind, it comes from God. It's centered in Christ, but is communicated with one voice. I can stand here and say all these things, but unless it's demonstrated, unless it's seen, they're just words. There has to be actions to demonstrate the truth of what God is doing in our midst. And this is from verse 6, Romans 15, verse 6. That with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that one voice literally is one mouth. A body generally only has one mouth, at least when it comes to humans. We have one mouth. It's funny, I it was just it struck me there was a a cartoon a long time ago called Family Circle. That may date me, because it's not published anymore. It was just a circle, and the guy wrote a vignette about a family. And there was a, a guest in this people's home, and the child had turned to his mother. Pointing at the lady and said, She doesn't have two mouths. Do you get what he was saying? He was saying that the parents must have said, This lady's a hypocrite. She says one thing and does another thing, and the child interpreted it as two mouths. Perhaps that's why I didn't write it down. It just came to me now because uh, uh, it didn't work, did it? You're not of <laughs> the same mind as I am, you know? You don't share my same humor. I'll have to work on you in the course of time. Because our oneness becomes a visible reality as we demonstrate God's gift of unity by how we live our lives. And it's communicated with one voice. It's communicated by our agreement. It's Christ in us expressing his unity. It's setting our minds and hearts as we purpose to live for Jesus. And it's agreeing together to follow what God is telling us through his scriptures. The purpose of unity is to glorify God. That with one accord, with one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The purpose of being of the same mind is that it shows God's glory. Because we cannot manufacture oneness. We can't pretend. It has to come from God. That's the demonstration of his presence in our midst as we're bound together. Different languages, cultures, ages, doesn't matter. God binds us together. And the world sees it. And they want to have that. But it cannot be manufactured. We cannot say, God, we're going to be unified. No, God does it inside of us. And it's demonstrated through us as we live our lives. It's a gift from God. It's an attitude that comes through us. Because God receives glory as people obey and follow Jesus as Savior. And there's other implications of this. It's very interesting when you go through the book of Acts. And you examine the early church and what they did when they were faced with issues of disunity. And what they did and what God did as a result. One example, I'm going to give you two today. One example in Acts 2 verses 46 to 47. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. So the early church was one, one group, met in the temple every day, and they were with one mind. One mind. And they're breaking bread together from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They're praising God together and having favor with all the people. Their unity was bringing people to see what they're doing, and they had favor. You people are, are different. And because of that, the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. You know, I'm, I'm built, and the, the way I am, I'm built, I, I think. You, you convinced me by your arguments. For many people, They're convinced by how they feel. And it's a story by Gene Getz in his his book on this uh, particular chapter. And he says in their church, a couple came. He didn't know they were there until after the service. And they came to their church and they sat in the back and uh, they didn't believe God existed. They didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe anything. They just came. And he said their services had two parts. They had what we do now And the second part where they had a time of open sharing, people shared, which is what we did two weeks ago when we shared testimonies. He said they came in as unbelievers and they left as believers. And he met them. And you know what they said? It wasn't your message. It wasn't the worship. It was the unity we saw. It was the care and love that we witnessed. It has to be true because we saw a demonstration of God's oneness in your midst. That you're of the same mind. That you love each other. And it's not faked, it's not put on. And we wanted that. And we saw the connection between that and your faith in Jesus. That Jesus was sent by the Father. The very thing Jesus prayed Father, make them one as we are one, so they know, people will know, the world will know, that I am sent from you. So maintaining, keeping, restoring unity is extremely important. Because unity is not automatic. You know, our default setting, if you hit reset, my default setting is disunity. Because I want what I want, when I want it, and I want it now. That's, that's our society. Instantaneous gratification. Everything is pitched to us, it's demonstrated to us, given to us, as you must get what you want, what you need now. That's a recipe for disunity. Disunity. Because it's our responsibility to preserve and maintain unity. It's your responsibility to keep unity, to be of the same mind. We don't create this unity, but God creates it within us. It's allowing him to do this. It's not centered in us. It's centered in Christ. You know, even Jesus, as he prayed in the garden about the cup, what did he say? Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, your will be done. That is being of the same mind as the Father. We're asked sometimes to do the same thing. Lord, not what I want. I want what you want. We're not saying, I want what so-and-so wants, or this person wants, or that person. No, it's what God wants. He's the one who brings us together of the same mind. And so Paul, in Ephesians 4.3, says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit to the bond of peace. Make every effort. And we'll talk about that in a second. Paul also gives some warnings about divisions. Right at the beginning of his letter to, to the church in Corinth, he says, I appeal to your brothers and sisters in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you all agree with one another in what you say, that there be no divisions among you that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. And brothers and sisters, some of Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And he's rebuking them and saying, no, that's not how church is to function. As followers of Christ, we must be of the same mind. And so we must preserve unity. And this is the second example I wanted to give you from the book of Acts, in Acts 6. Because something happened in the early church that had potentially large negative ramifications. As the church was growing, so were the needs. And there were Hellenistic widows and there were Jewish widows. And some said, hey, I'm, Hell- I'm a Greek, I'm a follower of Jesus, but our widows are not being taken care of by the church. And so there's a potential for a split For division. And what did the disciples do? In verses 2 to 5, the 12 disciples summoned the congregation and they said, It's not desirable for us, that is, the disciples, to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select among yourselves, you choose, seven people who will address this concern. And we will devote ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. And a statement found favor with the whole congregation. So a potential element of disunity was recognized and then addressed. And a solution was found. So they could remain with the same mind. Devoted to the same purpose which was to, to do what? To devote ourselves to prayer and the word of God. And look at the result. In verse 7, the very next verse. It says, and the word of God kept on spreading and a number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith as well. As a result of heading off an issue that could cause division, God poured his blessing upon the church. Why? Because it brings glory to him. He says, look at my people. They're they're behaving as one. They're living as one. Loving as one. That's honoring to God. And the world watches, the world sees, the world knows that this is something that only God can do. They don't understand it fully, but they're attracted to that because our world is full of disunity. Our world is full of quarrels and dissatisfaction and fighting. And when you come to a place where that's not happening, where there's peace, when there's honoring each other, when there's living out of the one, the one another's statements, then God's presence is known. So what does this look like? It looks like in our worship. When we gather the worship together, there's unity. There's oneness, as I, as I mentioned. Even on Sunday evenings when we come to worship, we come for one purpose. We come to worship God. That's the only agenda. That's the only purpose. And God brings us together in powerful ways. Our fellowship. This church is known for being very good at eating together. There's unity in food, right? Our love for one another. We pray as we show concern and care for each other. That's a demonstration of being of the same mind. Because if I'm coming here and I'm thinking, how can I come here, Lord, to be a blessing to somebody else? You're bringing me to church on a Sunday morning. I want to worship you, but Lord, I want you to share your grace through my life. Who is here at church today? I don't know, or I do know them, and they need a hug. They need a handshake. They need someone to listen to them. They need to be blessed. be you're here. I need to be blessed today, Lord. I've had a tough week. Well, how God does it is through each of us. As we have it in our mindset. That it's my ministry. It's your ministry. It's our ministry. To love one another and to care for them. It comes through honoring each other. And these are the first three verses of chapter 15 that I had Robbie read for me. Where he talks about, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak not please ourselves. We come not to please ourselves, but to please the Father. That's the Father's pleasure sometimes that he uses us to be a blessing to somebody else. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. you imagine if that was really happening? If everyone was doing that in the church, what would happen here? How uplifting it would be? How you could say to your friends, look, you've got to come to my church. This is an amazing place. And you mean it because we're demonstrating authentic oneness in Christ. It's transformative. It's powerful. It's amazing that it comes only from God. We see it in our service. Yesterday, cleaning up the park, this message is in my mind as I'm raking leaves. Raking leaves is a great way to think because it requires no thought at all. Just pull that rake, you know. As long as you're hitting the grass and pulling towards you, you're, you're doing it right. As long as the teeth are down as well but I realized everyone scattered in different directions with their rake one purpose different people in different parts of the park cleaning it up demonstration of unity even people had joined us who simply wanted to help they shared in that one purpose of cleaning the park we see it in the various ministries all of you who do stuff that nobody notices you serve here quietly, week to week. I want to say thank you. If you see somebody doing something in the church and they're ministering, say thank you to them. Say thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. Because sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need a little pat in the back to say, you know, it's noticed, it's appreciated, it's not taken for granted. And we appreciate that. And it's seen in our testimony. Two weeks ago, we had open mic. And people were praising God. And it was wonderful. It's uplifting to hear people praise and give testimony of what God is doing, how he's answering prayer. That's our oneness, as we enjoy what God is doing in the lives of other people. Despite our differences, despite carrying the sin nature in our flesh and battling with that, it is possible to be of the same mind. It's possible because it comes from God, not from us. It's what he does in us. It's centered in Christ. As we focus ourselves on Christ and focus on him, he brings us together. And we communicate that with what we do and say, how we speak, how we behave. So now comes the tough bit, the questions, the tests of being of the same mind. At this moment, as you sit there before God, before me, before anybody else, as you sit before God, can you honestly say that God is ruling in your life? To be honest, just between you and God. Are you living in harmony with what God, your Father, desires for you? Or are you fighting that? You're pushing that away? Because unity will only come as we all are living our lives honestly before God, allowing him to rule in our lives. That's what brings unity. Are you seeking God's purposes in Jesus as you live your life? When you leave here and go to work on Monday morning or whatever whatever direction you end up in, is your week lived for the purposes of Jesus? What are the purposes of Jesus? Well, they're found, first and foremost, in his word. You should be in his word, reading. Jesus, what is your purpose for me? How am I supposed to live my life today? Show me what I'm supposed to do so I can be of the same mind as you. So my prayers are not for what I want. Jesus, tell me what I should pray for. How can I be doing what you want me to do? How can I live my life in harmony with you? As we do that together, unity happens. It's just a byproduct, it's a fruit of that. Are you willing to change how you think by obeying the will of Jesus. Maybe you, at first two questions you're going, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in process. I'm in process, Charles, you know, I'm getting there. Not there yet, but I'm in process. Well, are you willing to change when Jesus points something out? When you are uh, in a situation and the Holy Spirit says, hey, hey, I need you to repent or I need you to do something or offer forgiveness, uh, are you willing to do that? If you are, then we have unity with him and with each other. Lastly, are we together expressing God's unity by being of the same mind with one another? Are we actively doing that? Are we seeking? Are we praying for that? Are we praying, God, bring us of the same mind? Show us, Lord. Develop within us, Lord, the capacity to love each other and to be the same mind with you and with each other. 'Cause I, I would hope, my prayer is that this church is known for our unity, that it's known for being of the same mind as God. When people come here that they, they notice that. They see it. You know, two years ago my my, my brother in law came with his two daughters and I didn't tell anybody they were going to be here, and I said, When you come in the morning, I want you to, to see what happens. I want to see if you're greeted. How are you treated? How do you feel when you came into this church? And I was delighted when they said, man, we walked in the church, somebody shook our hand, gave us a bulletin, made us feel welcome. It's a really friendly place. That just warmed my heart to hear that. Because that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be loving people. Not because it's your natural ability, but because God places a desire in your heart. And it all comes back down to Romans 14:19. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. We preserve the unity. We don't create it because it comes from God. It's centered in Christ and it's expressed, it's communicated through our actions. So the pursuing of unity should be one of the purposes we have. And the pursuit of unity is your walk, your personal walk with Jesus. That is the key to our unity. As you're unified with God, then he brings us a unified state together, and we bring that together as we share his presence in our midst. So don't be shy to get involved in ministry. If God has put something in your heart, go ahead and do it. The worship teams are always looking for people who can uh, play an instrument. I'm sure we'll reintroduce, you know, the triangle, so that you can do that if you need to do it. After our closing song led by our skillful team. Another example of, you know, unity, playing instruments and sounding good together and not out of alignment. After, I'll come back and we'll have a moment of prayer and then we'll be dismissed for our day. Thanks. May the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be the same mind with one another according to Jesus Christ so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.